I wish I could put my fist through the whole clouds of beautiful town. Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. I'm your host, Abby, and I'm joined by your other wonderful host, Jess. Hey. Hey. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, this week we're kind of having like a chill episode. Um, This is kind of like our May the 4th episode, since we don't upload on... Saturdays. So <laughs> uh, we're doing it now. We're celebrating May the 4th now because it's always May the 4th in our hearts. So this can be a fun episode and a relaxed episode. But first, we have like a shit ton of news. We do. First of all, we want to uh, acknowledge that Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in the original trilogy and I believe also in The Force Awakens for some scenes, uh, passed away on April 30th. So rest in peace. Yeah. You wonderful man. That kind of hurt my heart when I opened Twitter that day. I was like, yeah. oh, you know, I knew he was sick for a long time, right? Yeah. I think he had heart problems. I think he yeah. passed away from heart problems. But yeah, um, super bummed. He was at Celebration, though. He was at Celebration. So that's that's nice. I didn't get to see him, but I know mm-hmm. uh, um, people did get to see him there. And so that's that's a blessing. Yeah. Um, we got one last celebration with him and yeah. at least one last film with some of him in it. Right. And he was able to pass the baton on to Eunice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're just all the like outpouring of love, especially from Harrison Ford yeah. and like Kathy Kennedy. Everybody's like putting out statements and they're just they're beautiful like he truly brought a lot to this character and just to people he worked with and people he loved and we're gonna miss him yeah we are rest in peace peter (laughs) yeah he's up there with carrie and kenny baker kenny baker yeah oh man it's gonna it's gonna start happening i know more and more i'm not i'm not ready for it i'm not either it's I'm getting to that point in my life where, like, my parents and, like, people that I've grown up with since I was a kid, not, like, people my age, but, like, adults mm-hmm. I've grown up with are, like, getting older, mm-hmm. and it's it sucks. And so all these characters and these actors that I've grown up with are, it's, it's they're doing the same. So right. <laughs> nothing lasts forever, sadly, no. except no. our love for Star Wars. Yes. And we will hold them in our hearts forever. We love you, Peter Mayhew. Thank you mm. for everything you did. Yeah. Um, in other news, reservations for Galaxy Judge are now available, and we still can't afford to go, so we're not going to really spend much time on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> they only give you like a four-hour window to be in Galaxy's Edge when it first opens, which I'm like, okay, that's a line for a ride maybe so yeah like what can you get done in that time right so oh well (laughs) i will not be going for probably a few years (laughs) right same big same we got a ton of publishing news dropped on us on may the 4th which was super exciting because if y'all know us you know that we love books and it looks like I'm going to be broke come like October, <laughs> November, because I'm going to be buying all these books and then my Disney Plus membership, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let's go through some of these because they're really exciting. So these are all um, 
Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which is, did they do a Journey to the Last Jedi? They did. Um, I'm trying to remember. Was that like? Uh, Canto Bite was one of them. Okay. Phasma was one of them. Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Rose Tico book. Um, mm. I can't remember what it's called right now, but it was like a middle grade book. I feel like that was one of them too. Okay. I don't know why, like, I blocked that out in my mind. But, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember them doing the Journey to the Force Awakens. But anyway, um, we've got a whole number of books, and I'm really stoked about it. So the first one is Star Wars Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Rowanhorse. Rowanhorse? Yeah. And she is a black and native woman uh, writing awesome. a Star Wars. Yeah. Freaking awesome. She, um... She wrote this book called Trail of Lightning, which is not, I don't think it's technically a YA book. It's a little, because the character is like a little older. She's in like her mm-hmm. mid to late 20s. Um, and the sequel to it just came out. I'm, the name is escaping me. Let me look it up really quick. It's like something of locusts. <laughs> <laughs> I have it in my holds for the library. Storm of Locusts. And it's essentially like... Um, this Navajo uh, future dystopian world that has a ton of Navajo mysticism in it. And there's like some sci-fi elements and it's really cool. Like it was a freaking amazing book. So I'm super excited to see her take on Star Wars and the fact that she is a native black woman is amazing. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Once again, publishing is leading the charge yep. as far as creatives um, being uh, inclusive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put her other books on my to read, on my Goodreads. <laughs> yeah. It's just so different from anything else I've read. So I'm mm-hmm. like super excited to have her in the Star Wars family. Maybe I'll suggest one of her books for book club. Yeah. Because I'm an adult and in a book club. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, the description for this book is, In this journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker novel, Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Rey, and Finn must struggle to rebuild the Resistance after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And that comes out on November 12th. And I will definitely be buying it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Same. God, I'm so excited. Her yeah. writing Poe and Leia just, oh my god. And Finn. <laughs> and Ray. Writing everybody. Just like everybody on that list. Just making me so excited. So our next book is, I think it's a, a YA. Uh, it's called Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick. And it says, in this journey to Star Wars... Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, a young adult novel set just before The Force Awakens, a restless teenager sets out to discover what connection his mysterious Force powers have to the fabled Jedi and what the Force has in store for him. And that comes out on November 19th, which I'm I'm slightly interested (laughs) in that. I I mean, all of these... um, all these other books have to deal with characters that we already know. So I'm I'm interested to see why we're introducing this random character. Well, I feel like it's kind of nice to have a character that's just in the same timeline as characters we know. Like there's room for little cameos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's so much easier to have like 
a free story and a more interesting story because they're not really bound by the films yeah. as much as they are. Like I'm thinking, for example, Lost Stars, which I know you haven't read, but mm-hmm. that book deals with new characters, but it's set from it's like the entire original trilogy pretty much it's Mm -hmm. set during that time and so like you encounter characters you're familiar with but you still get like a full and really satisfying arc with these new characters so I the thing I'm more concerned about is that it is a a a boy Mm -hmm. teenager Mm -hmm. if we're I think and so I'm like okay we're getting another Jedi dude which yeah is fine I guess but I feel like it'd be more interesting if you know it was a woman or mm-hmm. an alien or something. Mm-hmm. We already have Luke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I saw people speculating that maybe it's like Ben Solo, but then I saw, I think it was Matt Martin be like, no, in the interest of settling everything down, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Him. So. Yeah. Cause there was some weird leak um, that was yeah. like an accident that someone was going to be writing a, a Kylo Ren book or something, mm-hmm. but it was like, it, it was a typo. I'm not sure if it was a typo yeah. or, or not, but it's not confirmed. So I think everyone was like, all like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next is a Marvel comic mini series called Allegiance by Ethan Sachs with the art by Luke Ross. And it says on the run since the destruction of the Starkiller base, General Leia and the remaining handful of resistance have barely managed to survive, much less strike back against the superior forces of the First Order. Running low on options, Leia decides to reach out to her former allies, the Mon Calamari, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance, and that starts on October 9th, and I'm stoked. (laughs) I love Mon Cal Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that means there's going to be Mon Cal's in The Rise of Skywalker. That would be really nice, especially since we lost Akbar. Meh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not like, oh, no, Akbar, but, like, it's nice to keep the species around, is what I mean. I guess that's true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> but there's a, <laughs> no, I'm not one of those it should have been Akbar people. But it'll be interesting seeing Leia interacting with them again, because if you've read the um, main Star Wars comics, there's a whole arc with the Leia trying to recruit the Mon Calamari, and it coincided with uh, the young Darth, young Darth Vader, but Darth Vader, like, post-Revenge of the Sith novels, where there was also, or novels, comics, um, <laughs> I don't know where my brain is, um, where it was a whole arc dealing with the Mon Calamari, so it was kind of cool that they were running at the same time, because they were basically telling the same story. So I'm really excited about this because I'm hoping that it'll kind of tie into that. Yeah, for sure. I just, the Mon Cal's look so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they are just fish heads, (laughs) which is kind of silly to think about. But Mm -hmm. this, just the culture, their culture is very interesting. I remember from the Clone Wars. um, So it'll be fun to have them back, even if it's just in the comic. But I I mean, I feel like this means they are going to show up in Rise of Skywalker. Right. Especially since it's like, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance? It's like, okay, this is where we're going. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Leia needs allies, too. Right. Like, no one answered her call. They're all like, nope. <laughs> so she's going to be like, hey, <laughs> remember when we used to work together? You want to do it again? <laughs> they were like, new phone, who dis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Uncle Luke came and saved him. <laughs> uh, so there's a whole bunch of like tween and kid fiction novels. Um, 
like, you know, young readers, stuff like that. But there was two that particularly piqued my interest and then I'll probably read, even though they're supposed to be for younger kids. Um, and the first one is Choose Your Destiny, a Finn and Poe adventure by Kevin Scott. And you join Finn, Poe, and BB-8 on a dangerous but necessary mission for the struggling resistance. With over 20 possible outcomes, readers will have to choose carefully in order to keep Finn, Poe, and BB-8 safe from the evil First Order. And that comes out on October 4th. I am a big fan of like Choose Your Destiny books. I loved them as a kid, and I read them so often. So like this is exactly what little Abby would have wanted. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. I used to read the Choose Your Own Ending Goosebumps yeah. book a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. Those were my fave. Yeah. I feel like I always got bad endings at first. <laughs> yeah, and I'd go back and be like, nah, I don't like that ending. Yep. We'll, check, we'll pick the other one. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the other one that I, I think this is the most I, one I'm the one I am most excited for, uh, and it is Spark of the Resistance by Justina Ireland. When a distress plea goes up from the isolated planet Minfar, the Resistance heroes Ray, Poe, and Rose hear the call. Together they will face down a First Order battalion, terrifying flying creatures, and a weapon that could change the course of the world. And that is on sale on October 4th. Oh yeah, that's that's cool. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, Ray, Poe, and Rose. I'm like, That's all I needed to know. So this book was teased at the Lucasfilm Publishing panel at Celebration. Um, Justina Ireland was basically like, I am writing a book. This is, that's it. Like, we didn't know the title. She wasn't allowed to say anything about it. Um, she was allowed to say it was middle grade. So this is a middle mm-hmm. grade book. But that's it. So I'm super excited that this is actually what it is. Because yeah. she was like, I'm really excited. She was like, just bursting Aww. with excitement on stage. And so, um this is cool. This is super yeah. cool. I know that we saw that picture from the Rise of Skywalker panel of Rose and Ray talking, but like, like knowing for sure that Rose and Ray are going to interact, like, makes my heart smile. Cause and that it's being written by a woman. Yes. <laughs> yes. That makes me feel so much better as opposed to the last Jedi novelization where they were Ugh. just jealous of each other and it was gross. Although Jason Fry is the one that wrote that, right? I think so. I think he came out and said something about that after the fact. Like he tweeted, like he didn't know. Like now that he knows what Kelly Mary Tran is like, mm-hmm. like on screen, like he would have written that differently or something like that. Yeah. Because I mean, he's writing the book before he fully right. knows. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it still wasn't great, right. <laughs> and it kind of ruined the book for me. Right. So yeah, I will definitely be getting that one. And maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. I think we should. Um, And then there's a whole bunch of other... um, Like reference books. Yeah, it's going to be like Star Wars nonfiction. (laughs) 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 Um, But the two that people were most excited about were The Art of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker by Phil Sostak. Is that how you say yes, it? Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at mm-hmm. last names. Um, and that comes out on December 20th. And the cover art is really pretty. It is. It's making the Raylos go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it it's is. It's pretty funny. Yes. 
<laughs> but no, the cover art is really pretty. Yeah. I have the art books from Rogue One and mm. from The Last Jedi. I don't have Force Awakens for some reason. I just, I asked for it. I never got it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Family. Um, they are so beautiful. Yeah. Like, highly recommend if you're into, like, concept art or just anything like making of Star Wars, definitely check them out. Like you can get them from the library too, if you don't want to necessarily own them, mm-hmm. but I, I love them. I they're, they're probably my favorite. I don't have any of them. I should get one. The Rogue One one is really cool um, because <laughs> I mean, there's so much that changed in Rogue One, like from concept to finish mm-hmm. that there's stuff in there. You're like, whoa, like, that's crazy and I have a you know how Star Wars like they reuse a lot of stuff that comes from concept art um I feel like in the Clone Wars they did that a lot um they're definitely doing that in the sequel Mm -hmm. trilogy so I feel like we're gonna start we're gonna see some of this stuff again just in different films or different television shows so it's always fun to it's always fun to see stuff like that yeah and there is as always with a new film a new Visual dictionary or a, a visdic. I do not prefer. prefer. <laughs> so the rise, well, the rise of Skywalker <laughs> visdic by Pablo Hidalgo is on sale on December twentieth. <laughs> I like all the like little teeny tiny details that, like when we found out that Poe's necklace is his mother's wedding ring. Like where else would you have been able to find that out? And it's really cool. So cool. There's so many things. I'm trying to think of something else like from The Last Jedi. Um, just like the characters' names. Do you like the background characters? Do you find out what their names yeah. are? Oh, another fun one from um, The Last Jedi is Safwan. Wait, she's that? a character that's on Canto Bite. You briefly see her, but she is named after our friend Saf. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Saf. Staff from Rogue Padron, if you are not familiar. Yes. So before we get into our fun uh, and chill part of the podcast, (laughs) you know we got to yell about some shit. So um, (laughs) you texted me earlier today and asked if we could talk about Benioff and Weiss, who are the showrunners for Game of Thrones and are apparently set to have a Star Wars trilogy, I believe. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, you might want to skip ahead because um, there are we're yeah. going to talk spoilers a bit because shit yep. happened yesterday. We're recording this on Monday, so mm-hmm. that's episode four of Game of Thrones, I believe, of season eight. So I just want to say I have read all the books. George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. does not treat women very well. There's a lot of rape, a lot of unnecessary rape, but to be fair, his female characters are very complex and well-written for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, He just doesn't put them in the best situations. He relies on a lot of violence against women um, to be uh, points of growth or plot points or just like shock value, which is... I think that's why this series is so popular is because there's so much shock value, but um, it's, um, it's old. Like we don't need that. There's enough of that in real life. Like we don't need to promote more violence against women to be shocking because that happens every day. Like we shouldn't be shocked by it. Right. Right. I had high hopes 
that the show would fix a lot of that stuff and it did not. In fact, it created, they created more scenes throughout these eight seasons, caused more violence against female characters that were unnecessary. That was unnecessary. Like Sansa gets raped. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's not something that happens in the books. They just put that in there nope. um, for whatever reason they felt they had to. And like Catelyn Stark, actually, she comes back from the dead and she is this whole other mm-hmm. character and they just completely wrote her out of the show and they never brought her back like and she becomes powerful mm-hmm. post-death <laughs> like um i'm trying to think of other examples oh all the women of dorne are were just completely written out of the show and they're like <laughs> fucking badass in the books um yeah. and not just about sex appeal no like they are extreme like dorne is an extremely progressive place Mm-hmm. where these women have power even though a lot of them are not uh, they're bastards um the sand snakes right. but they're powerful in their own right and um yeah um Benioff and Vice just killed them all <laughs> so great yeah <laughs> um yeah it sucks and this most recent episode like mm-hmm. where do we begin um did you watch it or you don't watch it anymore I did I I, I actually did watch this episode right beforehand because even though I'd seen the spoilers, I'm like, I need to see this whole episode for myself. Yeah. Um. So I watched it right before we started recording and uh, I don't have any regrets uh, stopping watching the show. Yeah. I stopped watching uh, around season five. So I've been out of the loop for a while and find that it's better for my blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Benioff and Weiss just don't know how to write women and they don't Mm -mm. bring any female writers to help them, which says a lot. (laughs) They think that they know Mm -hmm. like there's a scene in this latest episode where um, Sansa is talking to the hound and he's like, Oh, you're not a little bird anymore. Like, you know, you've, you've changed. And she's like, basically like, well, thanks to my rape and torture. Mm hmm. It made me a strong, empowered woman. Yeah, which she was already strong and right. powerful before that. Yep. She just doesn't put up with anybody's bullshit anymore because <laughs> she right. trauma causes you to. Eat. I mean, she's you. She could have gone one of two directions. She could have just been completely incapacitated and not able to function at all. But um, as a a woman in a male dominated world, she had to step up and take on a leadership role and it mm-hmm. kind of made her a cold bitch, which she needed to be because <laughs> John's mm-hmm. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> John's a fucking idiot. She needed to be a leader in the North and the Northmen were looking to her to, well, they were looking to John to be a certain type of leader and he can't handle it. So she, that's her now. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, I feel like that could have happened without any of the violence against her anyway like she didn't need that to be a part of her character arc and I'm sorry like as a woman who has sexual assault in my recent past I would never ever say I am grateful that happened and I'm thankful that happened no sure it got me to go to therapy it got me to get help um I feel like I know myself a lot better but it completely fucked with me like in Mm -hmm. every imaginable way there's Mm-hmm. nothing that I am thankful for about that. I would have rather learned my way through this and found myself without mm-hmm. that happening. A hundred percent. I remember <laughs> surprise, surprise arguing with somebody on Twitter um, <laughs> about this very topic a long time ago. I can't remember when it was, but 
I think it was around when it was announced that Benioff and Vice would be doing a Star War, and I was angry about it, and a lot of people were angry about it, and one of the things that frustrated me the most was the fact that they were perfectly okay with unnecessarily raping Sansa Stark. Um, and Sansa is my favorite character from the books. One of my favorite characters of all time because I see a lot of myself in her. I think a lot of women do because she like yeah. grows up throughout the books. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I was that woman once who was just like... She she learns how to be a woman in a male-dominated world. Yeah. Um, much like we all have to do mm-hmm. of deciding when and where we're going to say something and how biting that something will be or being able to conceal our anger with what seems like passive aggressive words and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember hearing them talk about this, that they had wanted to do that since season two. (gasps) Sophie Turner was maybe about 14 for season two. Um, so that was my big red flag was like the moment she turned 18, they were like, cool, you're going to get raped. And like you were saying, that doesn't, that doesn't ever happen in the books. They swapped out her story for, um, in the books, it was her friend Jane, yeah, who happened to bear some sort of resemblance to Arya in that she had a northern look, basically. <laughs> and so they tried to pass her off as Arya Stark and marry her to Ramsay to give Ramsay claim over Winterfell. And poor Jane goes through a lot. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, well, why have this unnecessary character to them uh, when we could just use Sansa and because women are just interchangeable um, <laughs> yeah when it comes to their stories this guy was going on this guy on Twitter was going on about you know well she became a strong and empowered woman after that and I'm like <sighs> I'm trying to find my words which my sexual assault didn't make me strong and empowered you know mm-hmm. like it made me scared it made me not trust my own body it made me not trust it made me distrustful of other men it made me scared for other men to touch me even if they were friends I didn't become like a boss ass bitch because it happened I and like you were saying like there's a lot of lessons I've learned but I wish that I could have learned them in another way you know yeah one that didn't traumatize me yeah so I I just hate this that they and they perpetuate this that you know, being raped or sexually assaulted makes a woman strong. We don't have to be subjected to sexual violence to be strong. Sansa Stark was already strong in her own right. It just wasn't in a way that people valued. Yeah. Um, Sansa and Arya kind of marry, er, marry, mirror <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie and Tyrion in some ways, in that um, Arya and Jamie are both kind of, they're, they're the swordsmen. They, they kill people, they fight. They're good at combat. And then Sansa and Tyrion aren't, but they wage war with their words and with their mind. And when Tyrion does it, it's fucking awesome. And he's a badass and everyone's favorite character. But when Sansa does it, she's a bitch. She's boring. She needs to learn how to fight. She's useless. Yep. Um, and that's whole million layers of misogyny. But I feel like Benioff and Weiss kind of believe that too. Yeah, I think so. So not to mention how terribly they write women on the show. They also 
write people of color as expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sande did not need to die. She did not need to die in that manner. Um, it was for a white woman's pain <laughs> and development. Um, and in last week's episode, the Battle of Winterfell, like the Dothraki and the <laughs> Unsullied were on the front lines. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Danny's like the the breaker of chains, whatever, but she's kind of <laughs> beholden them to a different kind of slavery, like, mm-hmm. and a different kind of warfare that's, you know, it wiped out half her army. And right. I didn't see any Northmen putting their people out there first. <laughs> like, this is their mm-hmm. land. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And, of course, in this episode, the very beginning, um, Daenerys is mourning Jorah, which, of course, that's, like, her first friend and her oldest friend. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt that. That was really sad and really um, meaningful. But the fact that she didn't go to any of the Dothraki warriors that were... dead or any of the unsullied like she considers herself like like the mother of all these people and the leader of Mm -hmm. all these people and we only saw her with Jorah the white dude that protected her that like wanted to fuck her when she was like 15 (laughs) Mm -hmm. like great right and like there's very few women of color on this show already the ones that were great and should have been kept around from Dorne were all killed off mm-hmm. by a white woman and a white man. <laughs> and mm-hmm. now Miss Sandy has gone and she's it's like, dude, what are you doing? And they want to do a show on HBO. That's like an alternate history of if the mm-hmm. Confederacy won the civil war and there was still slavery in this country. Mm-hmm. Like that should tell you all you need to know about, Mm-hmm. what they should not be allowed to do which is star wars <laughs> like <laughs> on top of all of their gross stuff they're also just bad writers yeah um and and can't form a coherent plot line to save their lives yeah it's just it it scares me not just because of their bad writing i just i'm we've made a lot a lot of steps a lot of good steps in terms of our treatment of women in star wars not all good ones mind you but we've made some baby steps and I feel like this will be like three giant leaps back. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we'll continue to worsen the way that Star Wars treats characters of color, particularly women of color. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I don't want them near my Star Wars at all. Although nope. the one thing that gives me hope is that Kathleen Kennedy has no problem firing people from Star Wars projects. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping if they like present something to her, she's just like, nope, you got to change that. Yeah, bye. Bye. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I get it. Like they're successful TV writers at this point. Game of Thrones is successful, but it's not because of them. <laughs> it's right, because of right. the actors on the show, like these kid actors that have grown up essentially. And just, I don't know, the entire cast is just fantastic. And it's the world building and it's the shock factor. But most of that came from George R. R. Martin and he's still an executive producer mm-hmm. on the show, even though they're off his timeline now. But right. I, I would not say that that success is 
specifically based on Benioff and Weiss at all. Yeah. Um, and it kind of sucks because, like, I've read some of Benioff's um, short stories. And before Game of Thrones, I really enjoyed him as an author. Like, he wasn't, like, the most amazing author, but he had some great short stories. Like, they were, like, tragic and and beautiful and like existential and it was fun to read but now looking back it's like oh it was just like a white dude trying to be edgy and Mm -hmm. here we are again (laughs) granted I was very young when I read those I was like in my early college days but yeah I don't know I'm just I don't want them anywhere near this franchise um there's already an issue with women of color being written in Star Wars we don't need any of that anymore like we need to get away from that I don't want any kind of like weird edgy shit with sexual violence in Star Wars like I don't know if they plan to write something like that if they would be allowed to write something like that but I absolutely Mm -hmm. think that has no space in Star Wars (laughs) like Star Wars is for family and that has always been its its theme is is family and found family and I this sounds kind of silly but maybe you can relate to it is that like Star Wars is my safe space in that I know I can go into a Star Wars and not be subjected to scenes of sexual violence yeah I don't know I just don't want to have to feel triggered by my favorite franchise you know yep yep I agree um if they do end up green lighting everything and they um they're allowed to make something I will not be seeing it (laughs) absolutely will not using my power as a consumer to boycott. And I hope someone from Lucasfilm is listening to this. Please do not let them have <laughs> a Star Wars <laughs> movie, TV show, anything. Like, I hope that they're watching this last season of Game of Thrones and being like, wow, yeah, this is not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of like, I'm sure how they watched Trevorrow's latest yeah. movie. And they were like, oh, never yeah. mind. Do you want to get on to our fun stuff, or do you have any more to say about them? Just fuck them. <laughs> yep. A big fuck you to them. They're the worst. You know, all of this could have been avoided if they got some women in the writing room, some people of color in the writer's mm-hmm. room, and they could have eas- – like, people deviate from – you know, like book adaptations are are done all the time. Comic adaptations are done all the time. Right. There's so many things that could have changed for the better and made a better story. And they just chose not to. So that's an active choice. Right. Like you choose to kill off people of color. It doesn't just happen. And it made me so. So one last thing. I'm sorry. I keep talking about this. But no. So if you watch Game of Thrones on HBO, they have the like inside the episode piece at the very end of the episode after the credits. And mm-hmm. I believe it was Benioff. He had this phrase of like, Missande um, decided this or Missande, something like she made this decision and it was like, she chose, you know, to her last words. It's like, no, you wrote them into the story. Like mm-hmm. she did not choose anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if a female character in a film is doing something that's awful and violent um, with agency if a man is writing her that just means that a man chose to make her make this decision and to give her that ending Mm -hmm. so you can't say that there's any kind of agency there like she was a slave you put her back in handcuffs and had her beheaded in front of her loved ones like fuck that that reminds me of um, Brian Cogman, who is the director, I believe, of the episode where Sansa has to marry Ramsay, and he said that this was a hardened woman making a choice of getting raped. So, you know. Wow. 
fuck these people. I mean, I know therapy is common in Hollywood. Do any of these men see therapists? Like, no. Why would white men need to go to therapy? Oh, I, I, I know a lot of white men that need to go to therapy. I, need a lot, oh, I know a lot of uh-huh. men that need to go to therapy, period. But mm-hmm. And stop coming up to me asking to be their therapist. <laughs> do your own work. Yeah. I'm doing all. Yeah. I'm doing my own work. You do yours. You can't afford me. Yeah. I'm not even a therapist, and you can't afford me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about some fun stuff um, now that we've we've put our fists through things. <laughs> yes, as per yeah. usual. So we're just going to be doing some fun favorites for Star Wars things, and then also we will do some hills that we'll die on later. Um, some of the, which could be serious and some could be very silly. We actually don't know because yeah, no, because <laughs> I wrote in the notes, I was like, write your hills somewhere separate because I want to be surprised by your hills. Yeah. To die on. Now let's do the thing that everybody loves to hate and hates to love. Um, ranking all of the star Wars movies. I hate doing this. <laughs> because I know I feel like it changes all the time. So as of May sixth, twenty nineteen, <laughs> this is our ranking. <laughs> Tomorrow it could be different. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'll go by them, go through them one by one. So we talked about this in our first episode. So you already know what our number one favorite movies are. But mine is Return of the Jedi, and mine is Rogue One. I just watched Rogue One on May the 4th, and it was beautiful, which Rogue One is my number two. <laughs> um, a New Hope is my number two, which I believe I mentioned on our first episode. It's kind of a tie between the two of them because they're so linked now. Yeah. A New Hope is just a good time. It is. It's just fun, and lots of shit happens, mm-hmm. and like, there's scary shit. It's fun and campy. Yeah. And I I love the Leia buns. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just classic. <laughs> What's your number three? Revenge of the Sith. Ah, yes. Um, and this is mm, Revenge of the Sith has many, 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 many issues. Um, named Padme. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're actually named George Lucas, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a bajillion and one issues with Revenge of the Sith in terms of the way that Padme was treated throughout the movie. But I, there's just something about all the angst and the tragedy of it all that just hurts. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it like ties in with my love for Return of the Jedi because you see a young Anakin and a young Luke Skywalker basically being presented with the same choice of being able to save their loved ones and them making the opposite decisions. Um yeah. And that just comes down to who you are and your core and how you see other people and um, what you feel is the most important and where your morals lie. And so I love that. What's your number three? My number three is The Phantom Menace, actually. Um, I love that. (laughs) I would, I think probably like a year ago, I probably wouldn't have put that as my number three, but I have rewatched it a number of times this year alone, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. at least in last year alone. And I just really enjoy it. Like, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for me just because, like, seeing that in theaters as, I think I was 12, 11, I don't remember, but I was, like, (laughs) old enough to, like, know what the fuck was going on and know enough to know that I love Star Wars and I, like, know everything about what's happening 
And it was just so much fun. And that was my first theater experience where people were like cheering and like giving standing ovations and clapping in the theater. Like I remember when R2-D2 came up on screen, like people (laughs) were like going nuts. (laughs) They're like, it's R2. (laughs) And that was just so much fun. Um, But also I just think it's like, I mean, it also has its flaws. There's a lot that could have been better directed, better acted, whatever. But and the CGI, a lot of it does not hold up. <laughs> um, but it's a beautiful film. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much about it that's beautiful. Like, the characters in it are just, I just freaking love them. I even love the Nemoidians. Like, they're weird and Star Wars-y. <laughs> and even though they're racist caricatures, I'm, like, fascinated by them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just love The Phantom Menace. I love the idea that people were, like, cheering in the theaters for Phantom Menace which yeah. is quite possibly one of the most hated Star Wars films um, yeah, people by hate a lot it. of shitty people. But I love it. I love like the droid yeah. army, like how like cheesy oh, that yeah. is. Naboo is like fucking beautiful. Like just to see Theed like on screen is like, wow, mm-hmm. they did that. Like <laughs> yeah. the Gungan city. Oh yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. All the music in the film too. It's just like, yeah. I think that film has most, my favorite music of the entire yeah. franchise too. So yeah. I even like the pod racing scene. Like I that's too. fun. <laughs> like too. it's a little long. Like they could have cut it down, yeah. but it's still fun. I remember I was at the gym one time and they randomly had Phantom Menace on and you know, like I had basically finished my run, but then the, the pod race scene came on and I was like, I could go for a little longer. <laughs> For like another just 20 so can, minutes. Yeah, just so I can watch that. <laughs> and Chris was there with me and he's like, come on, it's time to go. And I'm like, the Star Wars is on. <laughs> That's a way to get people to stay and work out longer. Right. Put Star Wars if on. You just put Star Wars on, I will stay in the gym all day. <laughs> What's your number four? The Force Awakens. Mm. Um, and I think some of that is even a little nostalgia, even though it only came out a couple of years ago. But this was, unlike anything else, getting to see a new Star Wars on screen in that we never thought we would get to do that again. And it was really cool. And I had that same kind of experience of people cheering and applauding and all sorts of stuff like that. And I don't know. There's something about it that just gives me a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings. (laughs) I totally Um, understand that. (laughs) Yeah. And the film is gorgeous, and the music is wonderful. All of uh, a lot of like the lighting decisions are fucking beautiful, and something yeah. about that is very exciting to me. <laughs> yes, my number four is Empire. I there's there's a lot I don't like about Empire, but mm-hmm. and I know you're gonna hate this, but I love <laughs> the Yoda stuff so much. <laughs> like. <laughs> And I love Bespin. I love Lando. Like, all of that Mm -hmm. is just, like, I love Hoth so much, too. Like, I don't know what it is about Hoth. Like, I used to play Star Wars The Old Republic, and Hoth was my favorite planet, even though it was, like, fucking boring. (laughs) It's just snow everywhere. I was just so fascinated by it. It was just beautiful. Empire is definitely not my favorite film. I don't think it's the best film, either, even though everyone loves to say it's the best Star Wars film. But there's Mm -hmm. parts of it that are just, like, I, I just adore. And... It will forever hold a special place in my heart. My number five is A New Hope, which used to be my number one for a very long time. Wow. Um, right? 
That's and just because I dropped in the rankings doesn't mean I love it any less. This is like asking me to pick my favorite child. Yeah, um, it really is. I, I, I love them all in very different ways. But yeah, it's just a fun, campy kind of film. Good adventure kind of thing. And mm-hmm. an inter- a great introduction to some of the most beloved characters of all time. My number five is The Last Jedi. I have never... Well, I cried my eyes out in Rogue One, for sure. Mm-hmm. I have never had an emotional reaction to a film like The Last Jedi. Like, there's so much that is not great in that film, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's also so much that is so good and hits every emotional note that you need. And I feel like Carrie's passing had a lot to do with that, for sure. Um, But just, it's vision, like, I just, I love the way it looks. Like, Crate is just visually stunning I know a lot of people didn't like that red scheme but I fucking loved that like <laughs> so gorgeous I love Canto Bite. like our podcast is named Lousy Beautiful Town like <laughs> I love Luke's arc I I mm-hmm. love the throne room scene where Ray and Kylo team up for a hot second like there's just so much about that film that I really love there's a lot about it that I really hate too um mm-hmm. so it's smack dab in the middle <laughs> that's fair What's your number six? Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I feel like that makes a lot of people mad, but I mean, I don't know if it's just like me being an asshole and being a rebel in that everyone's like, it's the best Star Wars film of all time. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it. it's a very beautiful film and there is a lot I like about it. It's just, I, I think I'm just not like a middle movie person. You know what I mean? I, I like, think... I feel the same way. Yeah. I like, I like beginnings. A good ending. Oh, I like a good beginning <laughs> good ending. Um, but I've, I'll save this for my, one of my hills I die on. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So what's your number six? Return of the Jedi. I think that film has some of my favorite parts of Star Wars, but I just do not like Ewoks. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't like anything that happens on Endor. Like, that part is so boring to me. And I'm just like, okay, when is this over? And then, like, uh, I don't know. You just stabbed, like, a knife through my heart. <laughs> I, know, I know. It's controversial. Everybody loves Ewoks. I don't like them. They're murder bears. They bother me. <laughs> I liked them when I was a kid, but, and then I hate like the celebration scene at the end. I know that sounds terrible, but like, I just, I don't know. I just don't like it. Like, (laughs) I need pain. I don't want people to be happy. (laughs) Jess doesn't like fun. (laughs) No dancing bears and music and singing. Like, why why aren't you sad? Everyone died. How dare dare you, (laughs) Yubnub. I actually feel like that movie should be lower on my list, but the throne room scene is like my, some of my favorite Star Wars, so I can't. That's yeah. why it's in the middle. Yeah. That's funny. Oh my gosh. Um, my number seven <laughs> is Phantom Menace. <sighs> hmm. I have a lot of complicated feelings about Phantom Menace, but I think my new favorite thing to do is to declare it Padme's movie. Um, And if you look at it from the whole movie from an angle about this badass, awesome, politically wise 14 year old girl doing anything she can to save her planet and save her people because she loves them and she was not elected to watch her people die while they discuss it in a committee. And that's (laughs) very, really, really cool. So 
Padme is my favorite part about the Phantom Menace. And it Agreed. also holds a special place in my heart. Baby Abby Star Wars. Baby Abby. <laughs> very baby Abby Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> when are we on? Seven? Yeah. Seven. Um, my number seven is The Force Awakens. I really enjoyed seeing Force Awakens in theaters. Like, it was, like, one of the highlights of my life, and I had a great time. But I don't know what it is about that film, but it just just does not pull me in like it pulls other people in. Like, everyone – don't get me wrong. Like, I love Rey, but for some reason, Rey was just not the most compelling character in that film. Finn was. Like, Mm -hmm. I wanted more Finn, and I think I was, like, kind of – discouraged by the marketing because I really thought that Finn was going to be like the Jedi and then when it revealed that he wasn't I was kind of disappointed but there's a lot of stuff that I love about that film so I it's not I just it's rewatchable I like rewatching it it's just not my favorite um so my number eight is probably going to be controversial um <laughs> my number eight is the last Jedi <laughs> um yeah there is a lot of things that I love about this film. Um, Luke's arc in the film being one of them. It meant a lot to me as somebody who has always looked up to Luke Skywalker um, to see him struggle uh, and display a lot of signs of depression and a lot of things that I have experienced as well. Um, and, and then to be able to see him realize that he's still worthy and he is he can still be um a good person and make good decisions and help other people even though he's felt like shit (laughs) for a lot of years and felt that he wasn't worthy anymore so that was very powerful and important to me um i have a lot of issues with the way last jedi treats its characters of color yep namely making (laughs) finn a supporting role in his own trilogy that made me very angry um, and I have a lot of issues with how Ray was treated in this film, which I think I talked about in an earlier episode where it felt like she, her narrative was entirely centered around men. Yeah. Um, and I, I hated agree. that. Hated that. Like I said, there's a lot of things I love about that film, but there's also a lot of things I hate about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel that way about every Star Wars film, to be honest. Like yeah. there's parts where I'm just like, Eh, fast forward and mm-hmm. then there's other things where I'm like oh I love this so much yeah. um my number eight which I know is controversial is solo <laughs> <laughs> I almost would have this higher on my list just because I had such a good time watching it it was just like one of those films where I was able to like yeah there's a lot of shitty stuff in it but I'm just having a good time and I like Eldon Ehrenreich as as um as Han Solo but yeah. There's just too many things wrong with it. There's, I haven't even rewatched it since I saw it in theaters because I'm just like, I don't need to. I don't need to. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't even own it. Yeah. That's, I think that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number nine is Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is my problem child. <laughs> in that I love it, but it's also trash. <laughs> Yeah. And it's frustrating because honestly, I do really think that Hayden Christensen is a great actor. Um, a lot of his nonverbal moments are fantastic. Uh, and he got stuck with a shitty writer, George Lucas, and a shitty director, George Lucas. Um, <laughs> I mean, even some of the acting choices that were made weren't 
Hayden's choices. Um, you can see this. Uh, you don't really notice it if you're just regular, like just randomly watching the film. But if you're honing in on it, the scene when he and Padme are um, in on Naboo in the lake country, where she's wearing her lake dress, and he tells her he doesn't like sand. He like weirdly rubs her arm at some point. <laughs> That's not Hayden's hand. Really? That was CGI'd. George Lucas later went back into, you know, during post-production and decided he didn't like how nothing happened, I guess. And that is a CGI hand. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of other instances of that throughout the prequels. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Also, I just feel like it's kind of boring in some parts. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, my number nine is Revenge of the Sith, um, which I did not rewatch this film until like two years ago before really? seeing it in the theater. I don't know why. Like, I like it. I just don't like watching it. <laughs> Fair. I like the idea of it. Um, I think there's a lot of beautiful and dark and tragic stuff in it. I just I fucking hate Natalie Portman in this film so much. Mm. I think she does a terrible job as Padme in this film. Um, I don't like the way that her character is written in it. And I think that really ruins it for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't know. There's a lot of stuff like the opening battle scene could have been like cut in half and we would have been fine. I just have a lot of issues with the pacing of this film too. I think that's why I have a hard time rewatching it. Um, But the end is great. (laughs) Can I say, okay, so this came out when I was about 10 years old and I remember watching it in the theaters and being really confused because I thought that General Grievous was the Sith. <laughs> Cause I was, I don't even know why, but I was yeah. just like, wait, I don't get it. <laughs> um, yeah. Me and my best friend saw this like when we were in high school, it came out when I was in high school and we had so many inside jokes around this film. Like <laughs> gr- the things, some of the things Grievous says, like some of the things Palpatine says, we like laughed the entire time we watched this in the theater because there's so many weird moments that are supposed to be really sinister, but they don't come yeah. off that way. No. And we were just like super silly teenagers. Maybe that's why it's kind of like, I can't take it seriously. Cause I yeah. like, will always remember those jokes and I'll like text her if I'm ever watching it. Like, <laughs> I remember this. It's like Palpatine, do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a lot of memes from the prequels and yeah i can at least appreciate that <laughs> for good reason what's your what's your bottom of the barrel <laughs> star wars film it's solo a star wars story yeah surprising no <laughs> at some point this was a little higher in my list i won't say it wasn't in the top five by any means but like when i first saw it i I liked it for the most part and that I had fun. I wasn't going into this movie thinking it would change my life or anything like that, or that it was going to usurp any of my favorite star Wars films, um, which I feel like is a mistake that a lot of people go into seeing star Wars movies that they're like, this is going to be my favorite film. It's like, don't do that to yourself. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, it just hasn't aged well in the almost year it's been out and I have a lot of weight, a lot of problems with how a lot of the characters are treated. And then I also, you know, have beef with John Caston. So, <laughs> but I, I did really love Alden Ehrenreich as Han. I thought he was fantastic. I loved Donald Glover as Lando. 
as frustrated as I was that Amelia Clark was casted because like it didn't have to be Amelia Clark. Um, mm-hmm. I did really appreciate getting to see her as a character that wasn't Daenerys Targaryen. Um, yeah. And getting to see her be intimate um, in terms of with her emotions and not just screaming all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and being vulnerable. So that was nice. Yeah. But there's a lot about Solo that just grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that we got kind of a different female character from that. Yeah film too like Kira's not really like anyone else that we've ever encountered mm-hmm. in the films and I felt like Amelia Clark did a really good job with what she was given yeah. <laughs> like yeah. um it's like oh you can act cool yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's how I learned Amelia Clark can be a good actress my number 10 is Attack of the Clones which hurts my heart because there's so much about this film that I love mm-hmm. but the parts that I hate about it I fucking hate like yeah. I <sighs> Anakin, creepy Anakin, just Mm -hmm. I have such a hard time watching because I've been Padme. Like, I've been there when some creepy dude's like, let me caress your arm and (laughs) I just want to stare at you. And I've been thinking about you for 10 years. And it's like, dude, go away. Like, Um, and I get it. Like he's supposed to be an awkward teenager that doesn't know how to handle his emotions and his desires, and that's how he's supposed to be written. It doesn't mean that it makes me any less uncomfortable. Right, right. <laughs> but I really like the stuff. Pretty much the third act of the film, I really love. Yeah. Um, like Padme being a badass. Like the entire stuff on Geno says, "Oh my god, that stupid factory part of the oh, film. God. Like why was that in there? Oh, it's so boring." With 3PO getting put on a, his head on a different thing. Oh, my God. Like, that did not need to be in there at all. Like, so there's two huge sequences in this film that I would completely cut from it. And I feel like that puts it at number 10 for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we know what our favorite Star Wars is, is, is are, um, <laughs> let's go through relatively quickly, go through our favorite scene per movie. Oh, man. All right, Phantom Menace, the Maul Obi Wan lightsaber duel yeah. for sure. Um, mine is when Padme reveals herself as queen. Oh, it's so good. It is, and I think it's there's something to say about a ruler who is able to be respectful and um, not self serving. So yeah, that was and nice. like supplicant when yeah. it calls for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, Attack of the Clones. My favorite part is the Battle of Geonosis when the clones fly in on the gunships. It's oh, so cool. Yeah. That <laughs> so is really good. cool. Um, mine is when Padme, when Padme and Anakin are on Tatooine, and she was just like, "Fuck it, I'm going to save Obi Wan because I know it's the right thing to do." Um, you know, Anakin's <laughs> like, "I have orders," and she's like, "You have orders to follow me, so I guess I'm going to Geonosis. So look who's coming with." <laughs> but that scene reminds me a lot of Luke's scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back when he sees that Han and Leia and Chewie are in trouble and yeah. wants to go back. And everyone's like, no, don't do it. And he's like, fuck you guys. It's the right thing to do. So like mother, like son. <laughs> um, Revenge of the Sith, the opera conversation that Palpatine has with Anakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like peak Palpatine, like mm. scheming and like being smart and knowledgeable. And I just fucking love it so much. And then also the duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar is amazing. Yeah. 
I really do like that. And I love that, like, that's just them. That yeah. Was, that was Hayden and Ewan, like, kicking ass. So cool. Yeah. Also, I really love volcanoes. So the idea mm. that they're, like, on this lava planet just, like, makes me so excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot about Volcano Jess. Yeah. <laughs> volcano Jess is a good Jess. Um, Revenge of the Sith, my favorite, is the entire end sequence. It's beautiful. Um, gives me the tragedy that I want, but also the hope that I need. Yeah. I'm, you know, a sucker for some good hope. I also love Leia getting to be brought back to Alderaan in Bale and Brea's arms. It's beautiful. And then how Obi-Wan passing Luke to Beru and Owen mirrors binary sunset. It's just gorgeous. Oh, so God. Yeah. So good. Also, there's a scene with, I know you hate Yoda, but there's a scene when Yoda is talking to Bale and Obi-Wan. He's like failed. We have. Mm -hmm. And that line just like breaks my heart every time. Yeah. (sighs) Poor sad Jedi, <laughs> even though it's their fault. <laughs> Where are we at? Solo. Yeah. Everything about Emphis Nest. Mm-hmm. Everything yep. about her. Yep. I have mine is Emphis Nest kicks names and takes ass. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I was writing this while I was watching Infinity War, so. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Perfect. But yeah, Emphis Nest is great. Aaron Kellyman is great. Um, there's a picture floating around on Twitter of her and her sisters, and they all have, like, the same amazing curly hair, Ooh. and one of her sisters is also a redhead, and another sister is a brunette, and they're just beautiful girls. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, staring at them for, like, an hour <laughs> earlier today. Oh, my gosh. That's great. All right. Rogue One. Mm-hmm. This was really hard for me to pick my favorite part, so I have, like, seven things. Um... The conversation that Cassian and Jin have on Edu after her father dies, just fucking love that so mm, much. Mm-hmm. Just Cassian calling her out for her bullshit. Chirrut's death is like so awful and so wonderful at the same time. Just his line of look to the force mm-hmm. and you'll find me. And Bay's just like going out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> Everything about Krennic. Fucking love Krennic. And then I know a lot of people don't like that horror Vader scene towards the end, but I love that scene so much. It encapsulates everything that I love about Darth Vader. Just his like, he's just menacing and terrifying and mysterious and he's powerful. And it's the music during that scene is so good. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just love everything about it. Mm I used to have nightmares as a kid that Darth Vader was going to come down the hall because I had like my room was attached to my bathroom. So there was like a little bit of a hallway, a dark hallway. And um, (laughs) uh, when I was a kid, I was very afraid of Darth Vader and I would have nightmares that he would come down my hallway with his lightsaber lit. And so like 2016, I think I was like 21 or something like that. And I'm just like, (laughs) your nightmare is coming to life. (laughs) So, yeah, I love that scene, too. I think my favorite scene from Rogue One, aside from the entire movie, is um, your father would have been proud of you, Jin. Because there's, whether you read Cassian and Jin's relationship as platonic or romantic, there is something very beautiful about their connection. I always feel like this look that Jin gives him before he says it, 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 I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting, it looks like, don't say it. Because, like, it seemed like the perfect moment for Cassian to be like, I love you. 
you know? Um, yeah. But the fact that he goes, your father would have been proud of you, Jin, is just really beautiful. It's so beautiful. That's one of the most romantic moments in yeah. all of Star Wars when they're holding each other yeah. by, as they die. Whether it's – and when they're in the elevator, too. Yeah. Whether oh. they're – whether it's – actually like romantic or not it's like capital r romantic yeah. <laughs> like yeah. god i love that film so much yeah. oh it's so good <laughs> all right new hope Yee. um i love everything about them escaping from the death star mm. like from when they like get on the ship and everyone is, han is just like i can't believe we're fucking doing this why are we listening to this old man and luke's just like we got to save the princess and they go and find her and she's just like this snarky bitch and han is like fuck you and she's like get out of my way walking carpet uh, everything up until like obi-wan dies or you know goes into the force and they get away it's just like so good i love that sequence so much um also i love everything about tatooine especially the jawas and the sand crawlers i don't know what it is about jawas but i fucking love them so much they're just like i don't know i just love them <laughs> i have no explanation why and um the the scene with the sand crawler like when um 3PO and R2 are in it and it's like going over the sand and it's like starting to become dusk is I just love that scene so much it is so Star Warsy to yeah. me like that is like ultimate Star Wars scene yeah so good um my favorite is the classic binary sunset there's oh, just yes. something about that that gives me chills every time and when we saw a new hope in concert I cried um oh, <laughs> I yeah. cried a lot during that scene yes um, Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. For me, it's when Yoda lifts the X-wing out of the swamp, mm -hmm. and the his his music that is playing just oh, I fucking love that moment so much. And like the conversation that he has with Luke afterwards, it's like you know you I don't even remember what he says. Like you you failed because whatever. <laughs> like. <laughs> But just like, I, this is like one of my favorite moments in the film and I can't remember exactly what he says, but just like that conversation is just like amazing. And then like when Yoda's talking about the forest and he's like, luminous beings, are we not this crude matter? Like that line just is something that I have always carried in my heart. Yeah. Like ever since I've seen this film for the first time, like even as a kid, I remember hearing that and be like, wow, that's powerful. And then my second favorite part of this film is when uh han and leia and lando walk into the room where vader is and han immediately tries to shoot him <laughs> and like doesn't even blink just like pulls out the blaster and is like fuck you like and vader obviously pulls the blaster out of his hand but just the fact that he had no hesitation it's just like oh god han i love you so much <laughs> yeah i feel like that says a lot about his character yeah yeah um my favorite is another classic of i love you i know because oh, I God, just, that whole scene uh, and it's is so, so heartbreaking beautifully lit i'm all about the lighting yep. <laughs> um yep. it's gorgeous and i've always really enjoyed that scene especially telling people that han saying i know wasn't him being cocky or anything like that it was his reassurance to leia that even though you haven't said it i've known this whole time and it's okay you're going yeah. to be okay maybe i'll be okay but i know um oh my god and then that moment when, like, Chewie starts getting all upset and is, like, trying to fight. And Han's like, no, you have to take care of the princess. And and then when Han goes in and Chewie's, like, making those noises and it's so heartbreaking. Oh, it's good I'm stuff. glad it all ends up okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Um, I love the beginning when they're on Tatooine and Luke is just like this badass that <laughs> rescues Han and just out of nowhere you think everything's going to go bad. And he's like, no, I have a plan. Aren't you? <laughs> Give me my lightsaber. And then just that entire scene, like where everyone just like you know leia frees herself like r2 frees himself like luke and lando and han are like figuring shit out mm-hmm. like it's it's so good it's just like peak excellent fun star wars yeah and then obviously the throne room scene everything about that yeah oh, the music mm. the pain <laughs> the joy mm-hmm. the, the creepiness of the emperor it's so good yeah Mine is, I am a Jedi like my father before me, and I go in depth on that in my solo episodes, so you can go listen to that if you want to know more about my feelings, but it is quite possibly (laughs) one of my favorite moments of all time in Star Wars. Also, I really like the space battle scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Return of the Jedi. I always forget about that, but I'm a real sucker for space battles. Like, Rogue One, too, has some really good ones. Um, So does Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Um, Good space battles. I like that space epic space battle stuff yeah where are we at now uh tfa god this was hard because there's so many things um the part where kylo takes ray and finn is running after her and ray's theme is playing over him screaming Mm. her name just breaks my heart but it's like one of my favorite moments because i just love finn and ray so much (laughs) they're they're just so cute and then when they reunite on Starkiller Base oh. and they're hugging, it's just like, and she's like, you came back for me? Like, because she's never had anyone come back for her. Yeah. Um, I also love everything about Han Solo in this film. He is just like peak grumpy old man Han Solo, <laughs> but he's also like, you know, a big softy on the inside. The Han that we all know yeah. and love. Yeah. Um, I just love everything about him in this film. And I'm really bummed that he's gone. Yeah. Fucking Kylo Ren. Anyway, <laughs> I also love that we got to see the Millennium Al- the Millennium Falcon in action. Yeah. I think that was probably my the my favorite part about this film when it first came out because I love the Falcon so much, and we were actually thinking of naming our podcast Millennial Falcon. <laughs> we, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a name in in on on the list. Um. But I just love the Falcon so much and the fact that we actually got to see it like flying around, not just from inside the cockpit Mm -hmm. was so much fun and so cool. And the fact that it was on this really crazy landscape on Jakku, like going through Star Destroyers, like, oh, it's so good. Uh, I I was like, I'm only going to pick one for each one. But now I'm like, okay, well, when Finn and Rey reunite is beautiful and I love it. But I also... Even though I have a lot of frustrations with the bait and switch of Finn looking like he was going to be the Jedi, but it's Rey, I do, there is something so gorgeous about the moment when Rey gets the saber. Yeah. And the, the I think the thing that gets me about that is the music, um, yeah. because it's, this. you don't hear it on the soundtrack, which fucking pisses me off. What the fuck, John Williams? But when you watch <laughs> the movie, you hear it. The little pickup that plays once she gets the once the saber flies into her hands is the same little pickup that plays when Luke decides that he's going to be a Jedi in A New Hope. It was Luke's answering to the call, and now this is Ray's answering to the call, and the same music plays, and there's something about that that just tugs at my heartstrings. 
that entire forest scene is really yeah. good, actually. Like, I really like that lightsaber fight. Mm-hmm. It's just so, like, raw. All right. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, when Finn and Rey meet again mm-hmm. and they hug, mm-hmm. like, I fucking cried like a baby mm-hmm. because I love them. The Holdo maneuver is just stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love Laura Dern in that role. Like, the face that she makes when she decides that she's going to do this thing is just like, okay here we go. I'm doing this. And then she does it and it's fucking cool looking. Yeah. And it's just the, I remember the first time I saw this in theaters, like someone like, cause it's just like dead silent for like minutes. Mm-hmm. And someone in the theater was like, Whoa. <laughs> and it was like, yep, we are all yeah. you <laughs> right now. <laughs> we are all thinking that the other one is the throne room lightsaber battle is just so fucking cool looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Raylo by any means, but I loved that they were able to team up in this way, mm-hmm. even if it's just for a few moments, because they're both really powerful in their own right. And it's cool to watch two really powerful, emotionally, emotional people, because mm-hmm. Ray is very emotional, too, oh, yeah. like use their their power and their emotion to like basically fight for their lives. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. There's something really amazing about that scene still. And then obviously... Then no one's ever really gone. <laughs> yep. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> In the best of ways. It hurts so bad. <laughs> um, that's one of my favorites, too. I think Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher act their fucking faces off during that scene. Carrie especially is just so gorgeous yeah. in that. And again, I'm a sucker for lighting and music, but the lighting and the music in I that know. is so beautiful. Um. I remember before The Last Jedi, I was like, Luke and Leia, Leia better play when Luke and Leia reunite uh, or we riot. And I was like, I didn't have to riot. <laughs> nope, you um, did not. John Williams knew. John Williams came through. <laughs> so that is one of my favorites. And then also uh, Peace and Purpose, where we see that oh, Luke so is good. force projecting himself, knowing that it's probably going to kill him. And that's okay. And he gets to see the binary sunset one last time. And I will never forget watching this in theaters when we finally cut to Luke mm-hmm. and we find out that he's projecting and he's like hovering yeah. off the rock, meditating and like pouring sweat mm-hmm. and concentration. Like my entire theater was just like went up in yeah. cheers. They're like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like he's so badass. Like, how could you say that that is not badass? Right? Like, oh, I hate people. Yep. <laughs> Big same. Big same. So now is the time where we die on some hills. Um, I'm really interested to know what some of your hills you'll die on are. So what you got? Um, I'll start with a more obvious one that I think a lot of people have this hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Padme should have lived in Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. And she should have just gone into hiding on Alderaan and helped start the rebellion with Bale Mm -hmm. and Mon Mothma. And Leia could have grown up with her mother for a certain amount of time. And then if or when she died, like Bale and Breha could have just adopted her. Yeah. And it would have been fine. (laughs) That would be nice. Padme should have lived. There's no reason why she should have died. Yep. 10 out of 10 would agree. Oh, what was mine that I said I was going to save for? Empire. Oh, that's right. Um, I don't think I am your father is the best line out of Star Wars um, or all that powerful now that we're many, many years removed from that being a surprise and a shock because 
I like I said, I don't think I'm a middle movie person. I think I'm a sucker for a good ending <laughs> because though that line is like, holy shit, it's just set up for I am a Jedi like my father before me. So, yeah. And I prefer that. <laughs> I I totally get that. Yeah. You're going to make some fanboys upset, Abby. Sucks to suck. <laughs> Your favorite lines ain't shit. <laughs> so my number two is Anakin should have had a female master. Ooh. I think I think that he would have done a lot better if he had a woman as his master versus Obi-Wan. I know Obi-Wan promised Qui-Gon and everything, uh-huh. but like Anakin's whole thing was that he had issues with being separated from his mother and he oh he like very much needed like that nurturing from someone and he turned to Padme for it I believe Mm -hmm. and that's when all went to hell um but I feel like if he would have had a female master she could have had that maternal influence Mm -hmm. on him in a way and not necessarily replaced his mother but at least given him the mother figure that he needed yeah. and he probably would have turned out very differently and we could have avoided all of this bullshit <laughs> but we wouldn't yeah we wouldn't have nine films about <laughs> this poor boy yeah but i really do believe that if he would have had a female master it would have gone a lot differently uh, that's such a, oh i love that i feel like because then like she could have been a model for like how healthy relationships are with women you know yeah, and, and how to treat yeah, women. Like we aren't something to be possessed or anything like that. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I like that one. My second one is uh, Shmi deserved better. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. a hill a lot of people will die on. But I will, will stand my ground in saying that Shmi is one of the most important Skywalkers. And it is bullshit that she is often forgotten um, and is possibly one of the characters with the biggest heart um in in the movies and the lot she was given was shitty and the fact that she had to die for anakin's man pain is shitty yeah and the fact that she was tortured yep. oh, <laughs> like yeah. that was not necessary no, not at all like uh, uh, yeah it was gross i love no more no more men writing star wars you're all banned <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. i hard agree like we need some more Shmi content Shmi. because y'all did her yep. wrong. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why I really don't care for Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. too, is just, like, that stuff is just so cringy. Yeah. Like, everything about that, like, the fact that Anakin goes nuts and kills everybody, mm-hmm. like, I just, I really don't like that yeah. at all. I know it's, like, necessary for his character, but really, Was is it? it? <laughs> I feel like war itself is, like, traumatic yeah. enough. Like, he could have gone down to a dark path just by being in the Clone Wars. He didn't necessarily have to kill an entire village of people after his mom was tortured and killed. All right. My last one's kind of dirty. Okay. (laughs) But I think this is a a feeling that a lot of people share. So Obi-Wan and Ventress totally fucked. (laughs) And this is why Obi-Wan doesn't like Kinlan Voss. I love it. Because he's like, I know we're like Eskimo brothers. And I don't like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. There is a lot of like sexual tension between her and Obi Wan. Oh, it's great. I, yeah. I think about them fucking yeah. all the time. <laughs> like, I totally hate fuck too. Oh and my god, it's so that. good. 
I love um, it too. Lots of choking, oh, yeah. lots of bondage. Uh-huh. Oh, it's great. I'm going to have to read some fanfic <laughs> when we're done. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. Oh my gosh. All right. My last hill for today. Possibly the biggest hill I will die on and quite possibly the most important hill I will die on. BB-8 is flipping Finn off, not giving him a thumbs up. <gasps> that Wow. Is, I will die on this hill. It is not a thumbs up. He is like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm not telling you the name of the base. <laughs> yeah. Because he's just like, come on, my dude. And BB-8's like, ah, okay, fine. I like this girl and I want to help her. And so I'll say the Eileenian system, and she's like, What the f-? Ray's like, The Eileenian system. And Finn's like, Thanks, man. And BB 8's like, Fuck you, it wasn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea that he's just like, Yeah, fuck off. Like, I remember laughing my ass off about that in the theaters, and like everybody else was too. And I'm like, Oh, we all get it. We're all on the same page. And then I remember like walking out, and I can't remember who had said, Be like, Oh, I love when BB 8 gives him the thumbs up. And I'm like, What? He did well. <laughs> I, I thought he was like, fuck you, man. Abby, this is a family film. <laughs> no, I... So the idea that we had last episode of BB-8 being a house cat totally like tracks with this <laughs> because if BB-8 was a cat, he would be like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing what you say. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, then we see in the Poe Dameron comics, BB-8 do that again. And I can't remember the situation that he does it in. But I remember Jessica Pava was like, are we sure that means what we think it means? And I'm like, ha ha! BB-8's flipping everyone off! Oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that, ever. <laughs> I love Now, that. I need to go back and rewatch The Force Awakens <laughs> with sassy BB-8 on my mind. Uh-huh. It's a must. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I think I just think of him as being so different from R2. R2 is like the most sassy yeah. TM. Um, <laughs> uh, but like BB-8 pretty sassy. Like yeah. when he's with DJ and stuff, like shooting coins oh, at the at the guard. I love that. Shit. Like he's a little sass master too. Or like when Han in The Force Awakened is like move ball. Like BB-8 is like, the fuck did you just say to me? How dare you? <laughs> Grumpy Han Solo is the yeah. best. <laughs> Sorry. It's just like so ridiculous. So I love it. Guys, we love Star yeah, Wars. There's there's some frustrating things about Star Wars, but at the end of the day, we are all BB-8 flipping Finn off. <laughs> <laughs> Not personally Finn. We love and cherish Finn in this house, but, you know, we're Sassmaster BB-8. You can listen to Loves a Beautiful Town on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you leave us a review, we'll read it on the pod. Well, we'll read a five-star review on the podcast. So if you give us anything less than that, uh, fuck off. Um, um, I think next week we are planning on doing the 20th anniversary of Phantom Menace episode. I had the idea of asking people to send us uh, what Phantom Menace means to them. And we can read some of that on the pod. So, um, let us know yeah. what Phantom Menace means to you 20 years later. Um, I don't want anything that says it sucks, because if you write that, I won't read it. <laughs> Unless you have legitimate criticisms of the Phantom Menace, I don't want to hear it. Nope. Um, uh, so, I don't know what happened. We are having technical difficulties, so Abby is no longer with us. <laughs> so, 
Oh, you can find her at Abby M. Cecilia on Twitter. You can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the podcast at uh, LBT Pod. Wow, I had to think about that. Um, you can send us an email at lousybeautifultownpod at gmail.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks, guys. This is weird, being all by myself. Catch you later. Bye. Everybody on that list is just making me so excited. Same. Is that you? Yeah, that was me. Sorry. Okay. It's like... (laughs) I wrote this, I copied this description while I was watching Infinity War, so there's a lot of typos. Um, <laughs> the Rogue One is really, the Rogue One is, oh my god, the Rogue One one. <laughs> Hang on, the cats want to get out now. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Meow.